Welcome to episode 69 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined by regular podcast contributors, Hunter McClendon and bookshelf manager, Rebecca Arwood. We'll be chatting Love It or Loathe It, a new series featuring the book, I'm Glad About You by Teresa Rebecca. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back. I think at this point we've recorded two episodes with the love it or loathe it theme, Mm -hmm. but one of those we are saving for Mm -hmm. like a June or July release. Yes. So this is technically volume two of love it or loathe it, and we're talking about I'm glad about you. Who wants to give the recap? What's this book about? Everybody's looking at me, so I'll take it away. Um, This book is about what happens when high school relationships expire high school. And so you've got this pair of people um, who dated off and on rather intensely, um, Allison and Kyle, uh, both from Cincinnati. And Allison has these really big city actress dreams, and Kyle is more humanitarian, wants to be a doctor, wants to travel and, you know, give of his time and talents. Um, And so it's kind of about how, what happens after they've parted because of what they want for their lives. Um, All right, Hunter, we, I think... I read this, then recommended it to you. Or yes. Really, I don't even know if recommend is the right word, but I wanted somebody else to read it. Yeah. Um, so you read it. What did you think? I want to go ahead and preface. Um, this book has inappropriate <laughs> content. <laughs> I'll be speaking to that later. Okay. And um, There is a lot of sex in this There book. is. Yeah. And I was like, and this cover is, this cover is a blue book with, um, what kind of word? Marquee. Marquee, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this looks like a high school production of Glee or something. I don't know. Some kind of Glee. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I thought this surely can't go past TV 14, but it did to me. <laughs> hit an R rating. And I was like, this is inappropriate. How dare anyone? It is, it is more than you think it's going to be, yeah. for sure. And it also feels interjected so abruptly. It just feels inappropriate. I disagree. Um, like, <laughs> just because... All right, so I'm a little bit more conservative in my reading taste generally, um, and a, a lot of our bookshelf customers are as well, so we frequently get requests for, like, quote-unquote, clean romance or, you know, that kind of thing. So I understand the perspective of wanting to read about relationships without so much delving into that. However, I don't think that's necessarily the most realistic approach to fiction. Uh, and I felt like, even though this book is, like, like chock full, like, the whole thing is full of, like, almost sexual encounters and very sexual encounters, but every single one had purpose. It contributed to the story. It contributed to the development oh, well, of the now character. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, because one of the reasons that and you find this out early on so it's not really too much of a spoiler one of the reasons that they that Kyle and Allison split up as a couple was um, they were raised Catholic he was very very concerned that they stay like uh, virgins until marriage and she wanted to move their relationship forward and they never did and that was one of the things that kind of tore them apart was his commitment to abs- um, abstinence abstinence and uh, I was getting the word obstinate came to mind. <laughs> That's not They're it. Related. <laughs> and I really appreciated the author's approach on that because there were some interesting passages dealing with kind of that aspect of their relationship. So yeah. 
I agree with Hunter, yes, there's a lot of R-rated material in this book, but it's never, um, like, sensationalist or just to shock the reader. It's or... not erotic. No. Like, no. I, I agree that there's a point to it, and you touched on something that I did like about this book, and we'll get more into my overall thoughts about it as we progress, but one of the initial things that I really did love about this book was it felt like a more nuanced look at how faith impacts relationships. Yes, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. And finally kind of gave an interesting look at Kyle, who is this very devout Catholic, and how his decision to remain a devout Catholic and, and what all went into that for him personally, mm-hmm. how that affected his decision making, his career, his his choice of spouse, um, his other relationships. Um, and there are even a couple of scenes where he goes to a monastery, mm-hmm. and it just finally felt like this is somebody who understands faith, that faith isn't just what rules am I going to abide by? And sure, he does decide, you know, in high school that he wants to stay a virgin until he's married, but his decision is more than that. His Catholicism mm-hmm. runs deep in him. And it, yeah. and it was nice to read a book about a person of deep and devout faith mm-hmm. um, where it wasn't just made fun of and it wasn't just a character quirk. And it also mm-hmm. wasn't preachy. No, it no. wasn't preachy at it all. Just that felt was just realistically I was about to say, just felt like that's who he was. Like, that's yeah. who this character was. And we've come across people that that's just who they are. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to read, yeah, a more realistic um, view of a person of faith. Well, and I personally could relate to his, like you know, relationship struggles in that respect because a lot of people don't have those beliefs and so a lot of people won't understand them. And also I appreciate that it's not like he just had no interest in any physical interaction. Like the book kind of goes into a little bit more detail sort of, you know, how they did express their love to each other. And, you know, I appreciated that it wasn't just like, oh, well, he just doesn't feel like it, you know, (laughs) and she just doesn't feel like it. No, like it was a big deal and it was a hard decision to kind of uphold and it was a big part of who he was. Yeah. Um, I think we should talk about the fact that Teresa, and how do we want to pronounce her name? Rebeck, uh, R-E-B-E-C-K. She was a writer for TV, the TV show Smash. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can tell to me immediately that this is a television writer. Yes. Everything is plotted so that, honestly, it could translate into a television. You could have a television show based on this book. Yes. Well, and I, that's, what, that's what I think I mean more by, with, with these other scenes that kind of happen, I feel like they make sense to me if I'm visualizing it. Yes. I just think that the, the, some, some of these scenes are almost cut away. You're right. right. Um, I, I totally think that's true. And I think I, as I was reading, which most of us readers do this anyway, right? As you're reading, you're mentally picturing it. Mm-hmm. And so I kept mentally picturing things. And then some things you don't want to mentally picture. <laughs> yeah. um, but then others just, I don't know, like almost... I don't know what you call it in TV, but her staging is perfect. Cause like I mentally could picture when she was having an argument with somebody and she would describe like them standing across the room from mm-hmm. each other or, and I could picture that so well. And it almost was like a director telling people where to go. Yeah. And so much of the book just felt like it could be the, the pilot episode yeah. of a mm-hmm. television show. Like it, she definitely is a TV writer and I don't mean that in a negative way. Mm-hmm. No, no. Cause like you could, as, as you're reading, you know, you also hear the way that the characters speak. And even though she didn't necessarily, after each line, like he said angrily, you know, because of the context and the way that the words are written, yeah. like you can hear very clearly, like the kind of emotion, the delivery that the, I don't know what to call them, lines are supposed to have, yeah. you know. 
Um, and also, I really appreciated how the dialogue is written as people speak. Like, she included stutters, ums, yeah. uh, false starts. And that made it very natural. It made it flow very naturally as you read. Um, so it was easy to kind of, like, get into the heads of the characters in that sense. Mm-hmm. I personally, too, I've been reading quite a few books that take place in the Midwest and so I really, I'm coming off of um, Kitchens of the Great Midwest, Shotgun Love Songs, Ordinary Grace, all of which take place in the middle of the country. And I liked this look at Cincinnati and the, and both the hometown boy who stays at home and his view of his city, and then the girl who moves away, comes back, how she views Cincinnati. And I thought it was funny that at Christmas, they're all in the shopping mall mm-hmm. and they run into friends and family. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's exactly how life works mm-hmm. yeah. um, when you come back home for the holidays or whatever. And so I have really enjoyed reading these books that have a deep sense of place because that's something I associate with Southern literature. And yeah. it's nice to see it in these books that take place other places. Mm-hmm. Like they... Teresa clearly has a really great grasp on what middle America looks like. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the values that take place in the book are middle America values. So both her parents and his parents, to me, kind of were stereotypical. Yeah, they have a very homegrown feel. Yeah. Which... One thing I love about her, and I think that we were... Earlier we were talking about how... um, We were discussing, me before you, and how great we thought Georgia Moyes does of... um, How great of a job she does of making characters a little bit more believable, a little bit less stereotypical, less Nicholas Sparks, more, like, just a little bit, uh, like, A little more literary. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm glad about you could really, in the wrong hands, fall into a lot of, like, really, you know, tropes. tropes. Yes. Because, I mean, really, you know, you've got this, like, girl who's very, I mean, she is promiscuous in a lot of ways, and you have the Christian guy, but instead of seeing, you know, um... Amanda Bynes in Easy A, who's, you know, overly Christian and, you know, wants to kill everyone or, you know, whatever. The other Christian who's, you know, too nice and too sweet. We're seeing a a Christian who's dealing with a lot of, like, really realistic um, issues in his life and and handling them in a way that a lot of Christian, real Christian people do. I know there's, like, always extremists, but we live in the South, and in the South, you know, religion (laughs) plays an important part to most people. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think this shows, like, that kind of side to it. And I also think that um, showing her side of everything and showing when you move from, you know, a place like Cincinnati Cincinnati to a bigger city, that a lot of times, like, it can affect how you live your life. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it also talks about, like, like, there were little nuanced bits where um, she was embarrassed to have her roommates overhear her conversations with her mom on the phone yeah. because her mom is so, quote-unquote, small-town and provincial, and uh, uh, all her roommates kind of just roll their eyes at her sort of inane conversation. And she describes... Um, like going out to dinner with some like well-to-do New York socialites and then considering her own family's dinner conversation and feeling almost embarrassed yeah. mm-hmm. for that. And that was kind of sad, but also made a lot of sense. But felt real. Yeah, mm-hmm. it felt very real. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of this book boiled down to for me. It did feel realistic. And Hunter, I think you're right. In the hands of somebody else, it could have become something completely different. And it could have either fallen flat or been really chick lit Yeah for lack of a better term. Um, But instead, we get these pretty nuanced characters, and we get a really, I think, um, multifaceted look about trying to make it in show business Mm -hmm. and kind of the underbelly of that and what it was like for her to audition. And then she finally kind of 
makes it on this Law & Order type show. Yeah. And so you kind of are following her along. It reminded me a little bit. Did either of you um, read the novel by Lauren Graham? I think it was called Definitely Maybe. No, I almost did. It's really cute. It? Okay. Um, it's really well done considering she's mm -hmm. primarily known for being an actress. She's mm -hmm. on Gilmore Girls, Parenthood. Um, but she wrote this really cute uh, great beach read if you're looking for one called definitely maybe and it's about a girl's rise to fame or like as she's kind of struggling through the audition process and things and to me that felt real because lauren obviously has lived that life and right. so she understands that and then when i found out you know what this author had done i realized oh she knows about it too because that mm -hmm. felt really that felt deeply real and then his struggle to move from idealistic teenager and med student to becoming a part of a regular practice or you know yeah. kind of this coming of age Coming of middle age. Yeah, well, it's I think. interesting because, in a sense, like she achieves her dreams, but doesn't really find it's it's not quite what she thought it would be, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then he like doesn't really achieve his dreams. He gets like the the practical side of it, but can't really get to the dreamy altruistic side of it. Yeah. And so they both kind of have to deal with their successes and disappointments. Yes. Um, because he does get like the life, you know, the wife and the family that he was looking for right. and then really doesn't experience the emotional connection that he wanted to yeah. in that. Yeah. I actually love what I just said and I'm going to have to write it down later because this is a coming of middle age novel. Yes. Like it's somebody, these are people who are finally realizing, oh, this is what my life looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I heard somebody say the other day that that they were kind of disappointed in middle age. And they were like, oh, it's so much more fun to be young. And, oh. and, and I thought to myself, well, that's a sad testament because middle age, we're all going to be there. Yeah. Like the point, yeah. the point is to make it through to the next stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you want to achieve middle age. And I think it's interesting to watch these characters kind of come to terms with dreams they've they've achieved and then also dreams that have kind of fallen apart or changed or morphed and they as people have changed and morphed and who they have become and can they still do they still love each other mm -hmm. after high school ends which again was that that premise that Rebecca was telling us about like can they still love each other um when their lives have changed and they've become different people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I thought I think that's a really interesting premise and I love the tagline I can't remember did you read it off the back I love yeah, that tagline because no matter how you look at it, it is piss poor luck to meet the love of your life before your life has even started. That's mm -hmm. a really, I just love that line and that's what hooked me. That's why Same I picked here. it up. That's, yeah. I mean, that's why I wanted to read this was because of that line. And, and yet I will say I picked it up thinking it was going to be more of a book about Allison and Kyle together. Yeah. And it is not that book. No, it's not. And I'm actually glad. I'm glad mm -hmm. it is too, but I... I totally went into it thinking, oh, we're going to have this situation where Allison and Kyle, did they wind up together after high school? No. So then they meet back in Cincinnati and here's what happens. And that's mm -hmm. not what it is at all. Mm -hmm. Instead, you totally see the trajectory of both of their individual lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a really interesting thing that we don't often get to see, I think. Well, Agreed. yeah. Well, and let me just, let me real quick. I, I don't read blurbs. I am, I'm a firm believer. That's right. You yeah, don't. I don't. So I went in totally blind. I was like, I was like, this is a movie about high school or something. I don't know. Or theater. It's like high school musical. Yeah. It literally, it's yes. I, thought, yes. I, thought, I literally thought high school musical. And I opened it up and um, my, I read the first 10 pages right before I went to bed and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So then I read like the first 50. And then I was like, man, I cannot stop. This is such a pleasant, fun read. Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked it. Um, and like, I was about to say, <laughs> should we talk? So 
I think we should go ahead and talk a little bit. This book has been out since March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel comfortable including... We're going to embark on some spoiler discussion. Okay. Thank now. you. Okay, yeah. we're good now. Okay, <laughs> because, Hunter, you're going where I think I also yeah. went. Go ahead. Yeah, I... I was really like until like the last twenty pages of this book, I'm like I was like loving it almost. On board. Yeah, and then like the last like maybe not even maybe even the last page or two, I was like this just seems not what I wanted. It took a turn. Yeah. And I am a huge advocate. I don't want my books tied up in a pretty bow all the no. time. No. And and there are readers who are like my mom really wants a happy ending, and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. I think that's legitimate. I don't need that out of the mm-hmm. books that I read. However, <laughs> this book lent itself to thinking it was going... I thought it was going to end one way. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily need Allison and Kyle together. Mm-hmm. No. I, didn't need, I didn't need them together at the end. That wasn't this kind of book. What I didn't need <laughs> was all of a sudden... Allison's mother in the hospital Mm -hmm. dead because Kyle's wife is the worst character in this book. (laughs) Yes, she's awful. Wait, this is the one moment where, let me like, go, let me like, um, what am I taking? Like, rescinding? Renege? Yeah, something. Renege, I don't know. Whatever. My comment about her writing such great characters because... Viv is a mistake. Terrible. Yeah, Viv turns, she has this opportunity to be such a great character. Agreed. And then there, I feel like Teresa was like, well, I'm going to write a stereotypical villain for a minute. Yes. 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 That's exactly what it felt like because all of her other characters are, are so like nuanced and well-developed. And even like mm-hmm. the people who kind of use and abuse Allison, they're not cast in the villain role. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of who they are and their business, but it's not like, oh, these are horrible, awful people and she's the poor girl that they're taking advantage of. You know, there's more nuance to it than that. Absolutely. And I thought that Vivian was going to be similar. I thought, oh, here's a sympathetic character. She just wants to love Kyle and all this kind of stuff. And she turned out to just be a stereotypical, jealous she was a shrew. She was awful. Yeah. yeah. It, w- it was really disappointing um, because, like you said, all of the other characters, even the ones that we don't like, really have these deep layers. Yeah. They're at least sympathetic on some level. And mm-hmm. Viv just becomes... And I understand, like, you know, she was this beautiful... Like, she kind of already started as a stereotype. <laughs> um, just this beautiful girl that he winds up... You know, now that we're in the spoiler zone, like he slept with her before he was married, and so he marries her. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, I think their marriage could have been fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe even eventually does become fine. But those final scenes where she is sleeping with someone else, Mm -hmm. right? She's cheating on him. She's cheating on him. Um, he she should have stayed to... with her. He did. He never sleeps with Allison. No. That's the irony. Like they Although, come close. Yeah, <laughs> came close. Um, she did think he did at one point because his friend said that they did. Yes, but they all know that that friend is a liar. Right. So wh- she believed him because she wanted to believe him yeah. because she wanted to believe. She wanted, she wanted to, be to be able to blame to cheat. all the and issues she wanted to be in the relationship with yeah. Allison. Yeah, and their relationship issues were not solely like Allison's fault and the fact that Kyle and Allison had the special connection from childhood. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Vivian was really reaching there. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, even when they're... Like, she was constantly bringing up things that made tensions rise and... She was an instigator. Yeah, you exactly. could have, You could have just let it go. He yeah. chose you. He married you. He did you. Like, you yeah. Just, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you chill it's out. It's all you. Like, right. Like, like, it's fine. And I admit, right, there's this underlying... I was just listening to another podcast, and it was talking about romantic comedies, and 
um, the fact that romantic comedies are so lovely because we never have to see the people actually dating or working on their relationship. <laughs> it's all about the anticipation of, because that's what gives you the romantic sweet feelings. Yeah. But then the reality is, then you have to stay in a relationship. But a lot of people want those butterfly feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought this book was interesting because Allison and Kyle, interestingly, never for lack of a better term, because they don't just mean sexually, they never consummated their relationship. Yeah. They never, it's not just that they didn't have sex, they never became anything yeah. past high school. And so that was able then to stay a romantic idea in their mind mm-hmm. because it was an idea that never came to fruition. Yeah. Um, so you can keep idealizing it because it never happened. Had it actually happened, had they been, had they dated as adults, it might have been harder than they thought. Might well, have. and like, I just finished Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari, and, yeah. which I know, Annie, you've read, and he talks about um, the different types of pleasure that you get from rom- romantic relationships and that initial high where the brain is releasing all these hormones generally only lasts up to about a year. And that's kind of the sort of um, introductory phase where you're like discovering each other and you get all the butterflies and then you move into like long-term satisfaction, which actually takes years to build. Right. And I think this book kind of plays with all mm-hmm. of that because you're watching Kyle mm-hmm. and Viv, you're watching Allison and Kyle, mm-hmm. um, you're you're watching both sets of parents a little bit. Yeah. You get a kind of glimpses into their relationship. But the end of the book, Hunter, I was reading this book and loving it. Like yes. really loving it. Yeah. Like totally Totally involved. in it. Mm-hmm. And absolutely like couldn't put it down at night. Yeah. And then I don't I couldn't give you a page count, but the last few chapters I don't want to say ruined this book for me. No. Um, but really changed how much well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, because the thing is, like, it all... I f- you know what I feel like it was? This reminds me of something people always say about Stephen King, is that, like, he writes a thousand pages, and then he has to, like, put some random thing in there just to stop the book. <laughs> I feel like she was, like... Because, honestly, I think she could have, like, written even more, and it would have still been really interesting. Yeah. But I feel like she felt like she had she to had write to about this. Yeah, and so she used, like, her this mother's death as, like, a way out. And I think it was a poor choice. And I think that making Viv- Vivian, like, because um, what happens is, um, for the, I'm assuming you guys have read it at this point, hopefully, <laughs> um, Viv- like, uh, Allison calls, um, what's his name? Kyle. Kyle's house. And Vivian answers, and she's like, because Kyle's a, a doctor? He's yeah. a pediatrician. He's a pediatrician, yeah. yeah. And she's calling for um, help or whatever, because her, her mom needs help. Her mom's in the hospital, and yes. you need, like, that extra advocate. Yes. Yeah. And, the, like, and so Viv answers the phone or whatever, and she's like, oh, I'll relay the message. And she doesn't. And you think it's, like, a couple hours later, and then her mom dies. You find out, like, it's at the days. last... It's days later, because she's a horrible person. And, and because well, the at mom, this point, they've already agreed to split. Like, right. Vivian and Kyle like, are over. Are over. Yeah. They're but done don't, Are they, they over? No, they're not they, over they're the end. They're not over the end. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They, Was anybody else infuriated by that therapist, by the way? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he I makes do. them repeat yeah. everything in this specific format. Like, this makes me feel this way. Mm. I heard you say this. And it's like, but he makes them use his exact words and format every sentence so that each emotional exchange takes about 10 times longer than necessary. <laughs> it drove me crazy. I just thought by the end, you know, like I said, I didn't need Allison and Kyle together. No. no. In fact, I think it would have been a lovely ending to just kind of continue what the book really set up, which is they're living their separate lives. Right. Yeah. And it's always been this thought that just never comes to fruition. Yeah. yeah. Well, and see, that's the thing is I think we have like two major things that happen at the end. You have the mother's death and you have Vivian's betrayal. And I don't think we needed both. Like I understand the desire to have something big happen to kind of bring the the story to some kind of like climax and then wrap sure, it up. Sure. Yeah. But I think it was too much 
all at once and it didn't really make sense and it didn't really make sense for the characters and so yeah I, I agree I think I was like totally invested and really really enjoying it and then it kind of came to a screeching halt for yeah me. Mm-hmm. me too to the point where I so I read this first and I finished it and that's when I like wanted to hold off on what I said uh, when I know that we're going to podcast about it but even just as a reader I was like Hunter why don't you read it and tell me yeah. what you think because because I liked it, but it also, by the end, I didn't know how I felt anymore. Well, like, I didn't know what to say. Well, I remember I texted you, Annie, and I was like, and I, like, 100 pages in, loving it. Like, 200 pages in, loving it. I still love this book. And then, um, and we even, we went to dinner, and I was still talking about how much I liked it, and I was over halfway through it. And I remember I texted you and was like, okay, well, <laughs> it's over. Yeah, like, like I, I read it in like two seconds. does not take long. Because I was really enjoying it. It was pulling me through. And like even some, like this is not, this is not a literary novel necessarily. No. But there are moments in it where I would like stop and reread a sentence and go, oh, that was really good. It's like, well there's, written. There's the end of a scene where they've had like this big fight with Vivian and Allison and Kyle at the dinner party. And oh, yeah. then people at the dinner party start to arrive and it turns into a dinner party. And there's this line about at dinner parties, no one has to account for their souls. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I like that. That's great. You know, yeah. so it had these these like moments where um, I enjoyed like stopping and kind of reflecting a little bit. Uh, and so it just pulled me all the way through and then I finished it and I read the last couple of paragraphs and I was just kind of like, oh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like, oh, and it wasn't, like you said, it's not even because Allison and Kyle didn't get together. I didn't really expect them to end up together. I didn't need them to end up together, but I still felt internally unresolved. Yeah. It just was a little... It was a bit of a letdown at the end. And like we've said, like, I don't need pretty bows. I didn't need it all wrapped up in a pretty package. But but some type of closure or care. Like, by the end, I thought, oh, why did I read this all then? But, you know, think about this. If she's a TV writer, I'm not nothing against TV writers, but I've never really seen a TV show end... Um, in the way that you really need it to. No, the only show that I can even think of is Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, That's the only show that I think knew how to end. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because I think those writers, um, I think Vince Gilligan actually really did know exactly how long he wanted his show to go. Mm -hmm. Um, But most people, you know, are just in it for as long as they can get paid to to finish up their stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you're right. Yeah, a lot Smash of shows got canceled. Yeah. So a lot of shows either never get the chance because mm-hmm. they're canceled or by the last season, they're practically dead on arrival anyway. Yeah. And yeah. so it doesn't even matter anymore. You're right. That's a good point. Um, okay. So love it or loathe it. I would still say love it. Yeah. I really would. And the more that I've thought about it, even the, the end, notwithstanding, the more I really enjoyed just kind of the subtleties of this book. All right. So I would say love it. Hunter. If it's between only those two, I'm gonna say I love it because I did not any, any I did not hate this book at all. I'm gonna say my podcast, my rules. I liked it. Oh, <laughs> I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> Evil laughter. Oh, oh. Um, I I did love it. I sir, if I have to choose, I did not loathe it at no. all. I loved it, but really the most accurate de- de- <laughs> depiction of how I felt is that I liked it. Mm-hmm. Okay, really quickly, Hunter, what are you reading right now? Oh, I um I just finished Are You My Mother by Alison Bechdel. Yeah. And now I'm reading um finally Kitchens of the Great Midwest. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited because I love that book so much. Uh, Rebecca, what are you reading? Uh, I just started A Man Called Ove for our oh, good. Yeah. I'm waiting for those to come in because I need they one. They just did. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll take it home this weekend. I am reading, and I am so sorry because we have recorded three episodes like back to back, so still reading, <laughs> um, Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty, which I believe is going to be a rave but I don't know yet because I'm about 30 pages in. But as I have said on every podcast I've recorded today, I need everyone to leave so that I can read this book <laughs> because it's just that good. Um, well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I'm sure we will be back with another um, episode of Love It or Loathe It. You can find full episode show notes and full episodes on iTunes and at our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. You can also follow us on social media, and we'd love it if you did, at Bookshelf TV on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.